This morning I read in my quiet time out of Jude, verse 20 and 21. And I thought I'd start out with that this morning. It ties right into the theme of our service. It's probably the, that was the, if you were to get, say, pick your favorite verse out of the Bible, this would be my verse for Jude. It's a short book. It says, but you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's the phrase. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for, for eternal life. Keeping ourselves in the love of God. <clears throat> this morning, the message title is Absolutely Loved. This is the last part of 1 John, chapter 5. It's the last part of 1 John uh, in our beloved series. And I want to start out with the story behind that song. Laura Story is her name. Actually, Laura Elvington is her married name, but Laura Story is her maiden and stage name. A year or so after getting married, about a dozen years ago, I think, um, got a phone call that no one wants to get from her husband, Martin. And after having dealing, dealt with quite a few different health complications, uh, they found out what was causing his health problems. Uh, she uh, shares this story that she can remember clearly where she was, and she got this phone call, as probably anybody would be, when her husband told her that she had, he had been diagnosed with a brain tumor a year into marriage. There weren't very many treatment options, and she ended up, he ended up having to have a surgery. The brain tumor was pushing against his pituitary gland, and it was in a location where there was a possibility that he would have a brain injury, that he might have memory loss, maybe completely. Like, I don't know who anybody is. Um, they weren't really sure. And she uh, was pretty uncertain about how things were going to turn out. After the surgery, she was uh, in the room with her husband, Martin, and he came to, and he said, Laura Story, which is, that's a good sign, right? At least he knows who she is. What are you doing here? (laughs) He didn't quite remember that they were married. She doesn't remember exactly how she told him that they were married, but his response was unforgettable. He said, what? We're married? Yes! (laughs) You could not write it in a movie any better than that, could you? Needless to say, their road was longer than they expected. It was supposed to be a couple of day stay in the hospital, which turned into weeks, which turned into months, which has turned into uh, a number of years and decades where or over a decade, I should say, where Martin hasn't been able to work. Um, He still struggles with short-term memory loss. Wives, you might be able to feel for her. Where did I put my wallet? It's on the counter. Except for Martin, it was more like every five seconds. Where did I put my wallet? It's on the counter. Five seconds later, he couldn't remember that his wife said. Where did I put my wallet? Can you imagine? How do I tie my shoes? 
pretty much had to learn how to do everything all over again due to this brain injury. And Laura said this in an interview. She said, I can remember praying to God, Lord, if you heal, if you heal Martin, I'll give you the glory. I'll give you the glory. And she remembers getting the response back from God. What if the road is longer and harder and with more sleepless nights? Will you still give me the glory? This song is born out of, I think, the answer to that question. She said in another interview that I watched that one of the greatest truths she wants people to understand is that God desires to use even the most broken chapters of our story to showcase his faithfulness. That he's powerful enough to shine his light through our brokenness. And the myth that she wants to shatter is this. That the trial you are in the midst of, whatever hardship you're facing, whatever difficulty you're facing, broken dream, unfulfilled hope, that it's a lie that it's happening because God doesn't love you or care about you. It's a myth that God is far from you in the midst of your trial. That's not true. He's really close. And this morning, the theme of our passage in 1 John 5 emphatically tells us that we are loved. We live in the age of, in our vocabulary right now, it's really common and popular for us to use emphatic words and intensifiers. Some of the more common sort of slang words or words that we use out of context. Those are some of our favorites. Words like totally. You say that very often. I sometimes do. I totally agree. I totally love that movie. I partly love that movie. Is that what you mean? Totally. No, totally. All in. Or my favorite, one of my favorite ones at my house, my kids get picked on for using this one, literally. I was so scared last night at the youth group night playing troll that I literally died. No, you didn't literally die, I'm sorry. You would not be telling me if that were true. You are literally using that word as a metaphor due to your lack of creative, creative linguistics. You just can't. You're not creative enough linguistically to think of anything else, so I literally died. Or how about epic? It was an epic session of fill-in-the-blank video game. No, actually, that doesn't fit the category of epic. Now, as an English major, I know that an epic is a long poem or a work of art that describes historic deeds. You might be able to get away with using epic for like a long or ambitious novel or movie that recounts some long journey or act of heroism, but never could it be used to describe a video game session. Sorry. Absolutely. Absolutely. That happens all the time. I think probably 
every other server that I go to at a restaurant, if I ask a question, the response is, absolutely. Do you have Dr. Pepper? Absolutely. Could I get a glass of water? Absolutely. (laughs) Would you like gravy on your mashed potatoes? I would totally love for you to absolutely give me an literally epic amount of gravy on my mashed potatoes. (laughs) I've thought a little bit about why we use that word, those words today. And I think part of why we use it is because we live in the age of relativism. You know, the worldview that we live in that surrounds us, it comes out in how we speak and think. Relativism, now this is not the topic this morning, but just to touch on it. Relativism says that what's true for you is true for you. It doesn't have to be true for me. I can have a differing truth that even opposes yours, and they can be true for us. But where that leaves us is that leaves us with nothing certain, really. And there's a part of us that wants to be in our soul, that wants to be a part of something that is true, that is real, that is epic. It's the gospel, I think, the gospel story. And the reason why we use intensifiers, or I think why they're popular right now, is because we're trying to emphasize something so that we have something solid, even though we don't really, at least in the worldview that surrounds us. In this final portion of 1 John chapter 5, God wants you to know, absolutely, in the appropriate use of that, that you are loved. Without a doubt. Tom borrowed from my passage this week. I'm going to borrow from his sermon from last week. He had a couple of quotes. I'll start out with this one from Richard Bronstein, which says, It is possible to give without loving. It's possible to give without loving. You can give something without loving. But it's impossible to love without giving. You can't really love without giving. They go together. And so this morning what we're going to look at is four gifts that God gives to those he loves. Four gifts that God gives to his beloved in 1 John chapter 5. In verse 13 is where we'll start. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And the first gift that God gives to us whom he loves is certainty of eternal life. There's certainty that our life doesn't end in this world, that we have a life now that starts now and will go on forever. At the very beginning of this letter... John wrote this in verse 2. He said, chapter 1, verse 2, speaking about Jesus, that life, Jesus, was revealed, and we have seen it, and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. Whoever has the Son, verse 12 in chapter 5, has life. Jesus is eternal life, not just the way he is the way, he is also the eternal life. That's what he, just how he described himself in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I'm all of it. That kind of differentiates most other religions. Most other religions would tell you how they would have some leader that would tell you how to find eternal life or how to find truth or ultimate reality. Jesus says, I will show you the way and I am it. No other religious leader claims to be the truth or the eternal life. 
Jesus said in John 17, 3, right near the end of his life, he described eternal life this way, that they might know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. So we have been given this great gift. It's called certainty of eternal life. And other places might use the phrase assurance of salvation, that you can be certain. When that verse says, I've written these things so that you may know without a shadow of a doubt that you have and can expect eternal life. I requested that special music out of, um, it came up in our small group. And uh, my wife uh, ran across, it just happened to be that we discussed this passage a few weeks ago, and then Laura's story was on family life or something, Uh, was on family life telling her story, and so she passed on this podcast, and so I thought this would be appropriate. Um, She says in that song, what if the pain that you experience reminds this heart that this is not our home? What if the pain you experience sends that so there's, we have certainty of eternal life. And sometimes a reminder that we get is a disappointment. That's another phrase that she uses. What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? God has put eternity in our hearts. And at times, though he absolutely loves us, he may allow a circumstance which we would not choose or prefer in order for us to go deeper in understanding that we weren't made for this world. That actually we were made for eternity. And the only way we may learn that is by getting our eyes off of our circumstances in the here and now and turning them to him in the midst of our difficulties. The passage goes on to say this. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. This is the passage where that song came up in our discussion. Because what this song that Laura wrote grapples with is when this verse doesn't seem to be working. (laughs) Right? When I'm asking for healing but not getting it. When I'm praying for a reconciliation in a relationship that I'm not having despite my best effort. It would seem that that would be within God's will, right? The second gift that God gives us is confidence in prayer. Confidence. Here's what you can be very confident about, according to that passage, is that he hears you. You're not just praying to no one. It's not just a voiceless ceiling, even if it feels like it. That he's really there, he really hears, and he really cares. In the New Testament in particular, God is described with the word father over and over and over again. And a father has to, an earthly father, has to destroy a part of his humanity to get to a place where he will not care about his children. 
to be the same for a mother. You, you really have to be almost, become almost less than human because it's been written into us to care for kids. God cares for his kids. And he listens. And why doesn't he seem to answer good prayers? <clears throat> I think... Did, did you catch this in that song? We pray for blessings. This is the, the chorus. We pray for peace. Probably all have prayed for these things. Comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And I love this phrase. All the while, you hear each spoken need. He hears every need. He always hears it. He's always listening. And then he, she says, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. Sometimes, but I think 1 John 14 and 15 says, we can have confidence that when we pray, God hears us. And we can have confidence that he prays for us. But sometimes, God knows better than us. And that what we think we want, he wants to give us something greater. And unfortunately, a way to that greater thing is through difficulty. And he allows it for that reason. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? Knowing that someone hears and understands you can change everything. In your perspective. If you're going through a challenge or a difficulty, having the opportunity to share and receive from that person care and understanding about the challenge that you're facing, the pain that you're encountering, the frustration that you're facing, is powerful. I think one of the one of what one of the things God wants us to know as we go to him in prayer is that he cares and he understands. If what if what God wants most and really what you want most is to have an anchored trust in his goodness and love. I've had God at times as I've been praying for something to happen for me or for somebody else, reply to me in a quiet voice internally, do you want that more than you want me? And you know why he's asking me that? Because really I do. And God knows that what's best for us is to want him most. And sometimes he allows us to go through the difficulty of not having something we want so that we'll want him more because he knows that's what's best for us in the end. If it took a thousand sleepless nights, just think about that, three years. If it took three years of insomnia for you to know deep in your heart and your soul in a way that anchors you that God is close and cares and loves you, would it be worth it? not sleeping for three years? I think it would be. It would be worth longer than that. Even though I wouldn't prefer it. Here's another borrowing from Tom last week. <clears throat> this is, I don't think this was in the bulletin, so I've got to say it again. 
case you missed it, so you can write it down, because this is a good one. Philip Yancey, the author, wrote this. I have learned that faith means trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse. On the other side of three years, if that were you, and you had that anchored trust, you could look back and say, okay, I get it. I get it now. I didn't see it then. I get it now. One of the gifts that God wants to give us is confidence in prayer. He gives this to those he loves. Another gift is certainty of eternal life. 2020 is coming. This is a little transition. 2020 is an Olympics year. You guys remember this from the past Olympics, Summer Olympics? Remember this family? This mom and dad, gymnastics mom and dad, and they lean one way and the other way, and you almost have an anxiety attack for them while you're watching their daughter perform. He's about to die. I'm going to... I couldn't show the video because I thought I might die. And then he's at, you know, the dad's at the end. We got through it. We're there. Painful. I'll tell you what, watching that, I think it happened in 2012 and 2016, two last two Olympics. I don't want any of my kids to ever be in the Olympics. Because <laughs> I don't want to go through that. Which is what, even if you didn't look like that, you would, and I would probably be going through. <clears throat> in 1 John 5, uh, verse 18 and 19, John says this, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin. And as we talked about earlier, that doesn't mean doesn't have instances of sin. The phrasing of that in the Greek is does not continue in or does not make a habit of sinning or does not make it a lifestyle of sinning. So anyone who has Christ doesn't head into it. They're actually going, they're becoming more holy, not less holy. That'd be another way of saying it. And he goes on to say, But the one who is born of God keeps him. Jesus, and the evil one does not touch him. That's us. We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. That verse doesn't sound so encouraging, but this is why it is encouraging. While the whole world is under the sway of the evil one, the evil one doesn't touch us. In other words, Christ, because we are in Christ, has given us victory over the evil one. We win. We don't have to go through what that, those parents did. Spiritually speaking, we stick the landing. Actually, we don't. Jesus stuck the landing, and we're in him. We're in him. We don't have to go through that. We're empowered even to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ through the Spirit. Satan cannot touch us because Satan cannot touch Christ. That doesn't mean he can't have an effect on us. It means that he cannot... Touch us in a way that is going to irreparably harm us. The world is under the sway of the evil one. The system has been rigged by the enemy to become increasingly anti-God and anti-Christ. Another way of looking at it would be like this. If your life circumstances are like your team, actually, if you were a football fan, if you were an Ohio State fan at halftime, last night they were losing badly. They were supposed to be winning badly. Goodly, I guess. Goodly's not good grammar. Your team is supposed to be winning, and they're losing, and it's not looking good. 
experiencing this gift of that we know that we have victory over the evil one is like knowing, I already know the end. It looks bad now, but we win in the end. I know they're going to pull it out. They're going to pull out the victory. Now, that takes away the suspense. It's kind of like not fun for us. But in this instance, it's really fun. <laughs> we know how it ends. And we're on the winning team. In Christ, we've won. We've won. We have victory. It's a huge gift. Verse 20 says this, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. We are in the true one. That is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Here's the last gift that he's given us, is that he has given us security in relationship through Christ. Security in relationships through Christ. We all want to be in relationships where we can count on the other person. We don't want to be questioning and doubting. You know what? In this world, we can't help but do that. Doubt the motives. Doubt the person's heart. Doubt the person's intentions. I mean, with your closest relationships, at times, you do that with everyone. Isn't that true? At times? I I mean, the closest person to you, at times, you've probably doubted the sincerity of their care. What Christ has given us, what we have through God, is we have absolute security. No doubt, Jesus is the true one. We have the one who is the true one. The one we can always count on. That's security. <clears throat> does, does somebody right now in your, at your life, your everyday life, know all your imperfections, all your secrets, all your most wicked, selfish, vile thoughts? We don't usually even share all of those with other people. You know who knows them all? God knows every one. And he says, I still want you. I still believe in you. I still love you. That can't get in the way of it. What you did, what you thought, what you didn't do that you shouldn't have done. None of it changes our relationship. Nothing you can do can cause there to be less love coming from God to you. And the other side, nothing you can do can get you any more of it. God knows and understands our shortcomings and our failures. We have a little one in our house who's learning to walk. Actually, she's pretty much got it down. But she still falls. And we don't berate her for it. Spiritually speaking, guys, I think we don't give ourselves a break sometimes. I don't give myself a break. We think we're Olympic athletes spiritually. We're closer to being toddlers in a lot of ways. And when we fall down, it's like we're trying to learn to walk. Now, I'm not saying we can't learn to run. We certainly can learn to run. But I think we're closer to being toddlers than being Olympic athletes, spiritually speaking. I'm closer to being a toddler than to being like Jesus, spiritually speaking, in this life. Isn't that true? And God says, 
take your time. You'll get it down. I believe in you. (laughs) You have my son in you. You're going to get this. And nothing you can do is going to change the fact that I will be there when you fall to pick you up, to offer you a hug, a pep talk, whatever you need to get back on your feet and try again. You can do it. Christmas, guys, points to this. Jesus is like all of these gifts. Certainty of eternal life. Confidence in prayer. Victory of the evil one. Security in our relationship with Christ. As we are in the Advent season, Christmas points to all of these gifts. We give gifts because God gave us a gift. Sending Jesus into this world to open up this doorway, this way that we could know God. Please let this sink in this morning. You are absolutely loved. God's beloved. You are God's beloved in every way. Absolutely means in every way. In every circumstance, you are loved by God. No matter what you do that is good, you are loved. No matter what you do that is a failure, that is wrong, that is bad, you are loved. Whether you are feeling passionate right now for God or apathetic, you're absolutely loved by God. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You can keep going. You are loved by God. With, now think about this. With all the love that an eternal God who created the vast universe can muster, you were loved with his love. You were unchangingly, unconditionally, unflinchingly, absolutely God's beloved. <clears throat> or another way to say it, you be loved by God. As Debbie put it at our home group. You be loved. I hope this sinks in. This, I need this to sink into my soul. I don't have this down. I want to get it down more deeply into my heart. We're going to close by singing a song to the the great I am. That's the name of the song. This is the God who loves us. He wants us to be close to him. He wants us to know his presence. The God who created all the universe entered into it. That's what we celebrate this Advent season. It's really hard to even understand But he did. And he did that because he loves. If you haven't experienced that love personally, if you haven't if you haven't recognized there's something getting between me and God, what that something is, it's that it's it's your sin, what you do wrong. Jesus has paid for it all, and all he's all he's saying, it's like it's Christmas time right now. What he's offered the whole world is he's got this great big present wrapped up in your driveway. And he's saying, this is yours. And you have to take it and open it for that gift to be yours. He loves everyone, and he offers this gift to everyone. And what you have to do is take possession of it to say, I receive it. I want it. I accept it. I accept you and your forgiveness and what you've done for me into my life. That's all you have to do. So let's stand. I'll pray, and the worship team will come back up, and we'll sing this song to our Savior.
God, I praise you this morning for your love. Absolutely, totally, you love us. Forever and ever, you love us. In every way, you love us. No matter how much we're trusting you right now, you love us. No matter how we feel right now, you love us. God, I pray the truth that we are absolutely loved would sink into our souls. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has not opened the door of your heart, of their heart to you so that you could, you could come in and change them, you can come in and live in them, that you could, they could be in Christ too, that they would choose to say yes to you, no to trying to do life on their own. They would say yes, thank you for this gift that you've offered, that you've done what it takes to open the door for me to be at peace with you, God, through Christ. I receive your gift confess that I'm sinful and broken and I need you, Jesus, to save me. Thanks for doing that for us. Thanks for entering the world so that we could be at peace with you, God. Thanks for your love. In your name we pray.